Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today we are talking to Leah Jones. Hi, Leah. Hey, Bant. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to talk to you, Leah. Uh, Leah is the Director of Financial Planning at Hightower Bethesda. Uh, She's an expert on alternative investments, a specialist in divorce planning, financial education. Basically, as we get into the financial planning space, Leah's the person that you should talk to. And my God, I think all of us need to be thinking about this right now as uh, the world deals with the emergence of cryptocurrencies and ETFs and uh, markets that seem to be going on and on forever. It's really, really an exciting time. But before we get into Hightower Bethesda, tell us a little bit about yourself and and your career and, and, and how you developed as a financial planner. Sure. Great. So once again, thanks for having me. Really excited to be here and, and tell this story. So uh, my career in investments and money started uh, about 10 years old. I was uh, in middle school and I always had a fascination with money. And um, I, I remember very distinctly my father saying to me, you know, I, I think I would be further off in my life had somebody taught me about money, but nobody ever did. That was, that was something, you know, he said, I heard, and I thought to myself, well, by God, whatever this money thing is, I need to figure it out because, (laughs) you know, if it's holding my dad back, I can't let it hold me back. So, um, that was exactly what kind of set a fire, um, under me. And I started reading investment books, uh, for leisure, when I was in high school. Wow. Um, yeah, I opened up my first trading account with all my savings uh, at, at that time was, I thought, a, a, you know, enormous amount of money. It was probably like three or $4,000, but that's a lot when you're making $5 an hour and you start working at 15. Yeah. So um, I invested it in 1999 and uh, subsequently lost all of my money because uh, 1999 was the internet bubble. <laughs> And I was armed with all this investment theory about, you know, people lose money because they panic and they sell. And that does apply most of the time, but not in the case of the internet bubble. So that was a, uh, that was an early life lesson. And, and it, it really just, I think, couldn't have happened at a better time since I was so young and it was a relatively smaller amount of money. But that and many other experiences that I've now had over the past 20 years of doing this have really, you know, shaped my ability to be a better financial advisor for other people. You know, it's funny that you highlight that, Leah, because because you lived through that and because you had that personal moment, I I do feel that some of the challenges and that we see today with these alternative structures, uh, particularly things like the cryptocurrencies, has that same feeling of some of those tech stocks where people were like, but how is art.com worth $20 billion when they only make, you know, $5 million, right? And, uh, you know, you had, to, you had to try to kind of get your head around that at that time. And obviously the market corrected and, 
and moved forward. But um, what what a great way to, to to start. And obviously, over over the years, you've developed, and and now you're at uh, Hightower Bethesda. So tell me more about like what you guys are are working on now. Yeah, I mean, so we're always busy. <laughs> Um, but you know, I would say this is something that we've been working on for a long time. Um, so it's not new, uh, 25 plus years we've been in the business, um, of advising our clients, um, from an investment perspective and also from a financial planning perspective and on the investment sides, we do something pretty unique, which is we're big believers in alternative investments. And so this name can mean a lot of different things. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And from our perspective, it's things like hedge funds, private equity, and private real estate. So, um, you know, you can go, you can list another 25 things, but from our perspective, that's how we define it. And what we've seen, um, and this has been proven over, over long periods of time, it's actually called the endowment model, is that the incorporation of these type of assets into an individual's portfolio can actually uh, help with return and also lower risk. And, and that's what really hurts. That's really what really shoots people in their own foot is when they take on more risk than they can handle, right? So when that happens, then you're more likely to make emotional knee-jerk decisions and ultimately you, know, you end up losing money. But we think if we can incorporate these pieces into our clients' portfolios, they understand them. You know, we obviously do a lot of due diligence to understand them and make sure they're well vetted when we, when we recommend them to our clients. It can help smooth that experience. And this is particularly appealing right now because when you think about it, equity markets are at all-time highs, right? No disputing that. Uh, yields, so, and when I talk about yield, I'm talking about money that you can make off of bonds or cash. So in the past, you used to be able to make reasonable money off of those two things, but now you can't. So yields are at all time lows. So when you think about it, if that's your only investment world is stocks or bonds, it, it's starting to make people feel uncomfortable, right? Like, oh, these are my only two options. I mean, I don't want to be out of the market. I don't want to make nothing on cash, but you know, what can I kind of do? And so we think that alternatives have made a lot of sense and will continue to make sense and are particularly important to have in your portfolio during this period of time. So Leah, when you're working with a client and you, you come to them and you say, listen, you got to make some moves. We got, we have some uh, private uh, real estate uh, opportunities that uh, are bubbling up. Uh, what are some of the, questions and challenges that they have and you know um what are the things that excite people you know i think it's just knowing that there are other investments out there um and you know from just like a high high level you talked about private real estate so what does that mean um it, it can be commercial real estate and this is a, a very fascinating topic right now as well because there's a lot of, okay, is office space the new retail space? And it's going to completely implode and nobody's going to go back into the office and nobody's going to uh, pay rent for offices anymore. And right, it's kind of this extreme rhetoric. Well, you know, we don't 100% know the answer to that question. I think most times things tend to appear a lot more extreme than they actually are. So I think people are going to go back to the office. I think people will continue to use office space. 
Um, but you know, will it change? Will, will how will that look in the future? And and everything changes. But in this space, this commercial real estate space, you have some other things that are still a lot clearer that are going to be attractive. So for example, industrial space. So one thing we've seen is that there's been this shift to everything buying stuff and having it delivered to their home. I don't know about you, but I don't think that's going to change, right? Post pandemic. Uh, no, I mean, I, 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 I uh, think during the pandemic, I, I live in, in, uh, in Manhattan in New York City, and uh, there would be many mountains uh, of foxes uh, that would be sitting in the street as the Amazon workers were distributing it to the various department, or various apartments uh, on my on my block. And I think that has become probably a scene that has been replicated in every city uh, in, a, in, in America, if not the world. And that's, and that's, so my five-year-old sees the Amazon truck and is like, it's Amazon, what did they bring me, right? So his perception of that has, has fundamentally changed. And so there's industrial space. How are those, uh, all those products going to get to people? They have to go to warehouses. They have to go to distribution centers. We're manufacturing more stuff. So that's space. It requires space. So that's like a commercial space that's really attractive. Uh, multifamily housing is another space that people still rent, not everybody's an owner. Uh, and even if people tried, they can't because there's not enough inventory out there. So again, this is just an example of when you start to talk to someone about these themes, hey, would you like to have industrial triple net lease income um, that's you know backed by a really reputable uh, you know, triple A company? Um, or would you like to have multifamily exposure uh, to, to good properties and good areas that make sense. And they say, yes, I would, you know, not all commercial real estate is bad. And that actually sounds really attractive and it generates really yeah. nice cash flow that you can. Yeah. I mean, get. Leah, I think it's really smart. I, 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 uh, was talking to a friend and, um, just, just take New York city actually is a, it's quite a kind of an extreme example, but a good example you know, commercial real estate in New York used to be outrageous, outrageously high. And now there's just endless floors uh, of uh, empty and storefronts empty. But you know it's going to come back in some form or fashion, right? And, and man, uh, I, I remember walking down the street saying, Oh, I just wish I had a, <laughs> a couple extra, you know, I don't know, extra anything to, to invest in some of those things. So I think you're, you're you know, spot like 10, on. 30, 40, $100 million. <laughs> Something like a hundred million, I think would get me a, maybe a, a building. I don't know. Right, <laughs> maybe, right. maybe part of a building. Exactly. Well, that's the challenge. How do you get the exposure? Right. So. Yeah, so so that's really interesting, and I would say that uh, probably a lot of people are looking at how to make sure that their portfolios are balanced, how they manage that risk, how they take advantage of some of these kind of new opportunities, but also certainly just manage some of the life changes that com people have been going through and. Unfortunately, I'd say, unfortunately, you know, we've been reading about the high profile di divorces, you know, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates and Melanie Gates. Uh, but uh, divorce is a big topic coming out of this pandemic. It is, un unfortunately, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it happens. 
right? And it is happening more and more often and it's happening later on in marriages, which means that there's more assets accumulated, which means there is an even higher need for sophistication in understanding the division of those assets and, and what they actually put together when you get divorced. And this is often the most contentious piece of divorce. It's usually this in custody, if there's young kids, is the financial separation agreement. And so that's basically your understanding between you and your spouse about how your assets are going to be divided. Now you can go to an attorney and they'll charge you a hourly rate to put that together, right? Or you can agree to do it on your own. Now, not everybody can agree to do it on their own. Where an expertise that I have comes into play is I'm a certified divorce financial analyst and I have a lot of experience in helping people going through divorce. And so couple that with 20 years of investment experience and I'm able to, to help them put that financial separation agreement together, understand things like their budget, understanding things like their cash flow going forward, understanding how they come out of this situation, what it looks like for them. Because the reality is when you get divorced, your financial situation is not the same. <laughs> it's just not. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's, there's some realities that need to set in. There's new budgets, there's new savings goals, maybe potentially retirement uh, plans change. But I can work with clients, um, and in particular, if they're a client of Hightower Bethesda, I don't charge anything. My fee is incorporated in our investment management fee. So anyone that has worked with me during this time has said, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I worked with you because you still need an attorney, right? Or a mediator, and they can craft the uh, language, the legal language and the finalizations and you know, let, let the client know if anything's overlooked. But you save so much time and effort and energy if you work with a financial professional who's trained in dealing with divorces and who can help you navigate that situation and you don't have to worry about this hourly charge, right? Racking up, racking up, racking up. Um, and that gives people a lot of anxiety. And like we talked about in the beginning, you don't want to make emotionally driven decisions when it comes to your finances you want right. to and, well and, 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 and especially at a time when the lawyers are actually not doing that right they're charging you on an hourly basis so it, it, it's it's always always challenging well well listen i'm gonna shift away from that kind of gloomy topic a little bit even though i know a lot of people have been unfortunately you know anyone who has friends and family have, have seen divorce over coming out of this pandemic but um one of the other hot topics during this pandemic has been the emergence of these these cryptocurrencies. You know, we've got Elon Musk appearing on Saturday Night Live and hyping up Dogecoin to uh, to to Bitcoin and Ethereum exploding. How how do you how do you handle those types of phone calls, Leah? <laughs> you know, it's it, it's it's a fascinating topic right? Um, at the end of the day, there, there's some merit there when it comes to cryptocurrency and um, the security it could potentially provide for transactions in the future and, and different applications of it in our lives, right? Um, no doubt about it. But what's really hard to ascertain is what are going to be the winners and what are going to be the losers? So we cut back to that 99 example, and there were a lot of losers. I mean, total losers 
people forget equity values can go to zero and so can cryptocurrency because it's a perceived value. So um, that's all it really is at this point. You can, you can make some arguments about the technology that they have behind the scene and, and things like that. But at the end of the day, if everybody decides it's not worth anything, then it's not worth anything, right? So um, I think it's a tricky space to navigate. I, 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 it's going to be something that we continue to evaluate and watch because, you know, in 99, there were winners and the winners that emerged were huge winners. So yeah, I mean, the, the winners are the companies that we look at as foundational today, right? I mean, the Google, right. the, the Amazons, those types of companies, right? That's uh, right. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting emerging topic. I, I can, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll definitely have to ask you more about that in the future, uh, because that that seems to be the hot topic in, in, in my, my household right now. So so listen, I mean, as, as you look forward to this post pandemic era, um, what are some of the trends that people are, are, are um, gravitating towards and some of the kind of risks and, and things people need to be thinking about? It's a good question. I mean, so on, on the one hand, I think what people are looking forward to more than anything is um, to live their lives freely again, right? So for some people, that means confronting the de decision of their divorce and doing it sooner than later. Um, for other people, that means traveling again. I mean, people want to get back out there. They want to do stuff. They want to spend time with their family. So many grandparents were restricted from their grandchildren. And uh, so, you know, I think there's a lot of pent up demand when it comes to life experiences. So, um, you know, I know I'm, I'm signed up to go to Disney uh, with my son and that's something oh, I'm wow. really, yeah, looking forward to. And, and so, you know, that I think on the one hand, there, there's a lot of pent up demand and people are really prioritizing life experiences more than they ever did before. And personally, I think that's a great thing, right? Um, on the flip side of that, like where are my kind of concerns would be, I think there's a little bit of an apathy because people have done well. Uh, people that do have investments have by and large done really well. If you just put your money in anything 10 years ago and, and uh, never looked at it again, you'd be really pleasantly surprised when you take a look at it now. And um, so that apathy, along with like a lot of cash, so a lot of people have accumulated large amounts of cash. And so they're feeling pretty good because their retirement accounts have gone up. They've got cash. Um, they've got equity in their home. So, you know, home prices are at all time highs. And uh, there's to me, there is some concern over that apathy because, you know, the reality is you can end up be taking a lot more risk than you think you are because all your investment accounts have gravitated toward really risky things because that's what's yeah. done well over the past 10 plus years of this extended bull market that we've had. And that's exactly what happened in 07. And people, you know, all the headlines were so-and-so can't retire anymore. Their account went down by 50%. Well, why did that happen? Because of this apathy. It was right. well, markets don't really go down, do they? Um, and for millennials and people new to the markets, that's really kind of what they think. Um, and, and I don't want to say all of them, but again, just kind of this general apathy. So I think it's important more so than ever, even though it might not feel like it, to either take a proactive stance yourself, or if you don't have that aptitude, work with a financial advisor to understand 
what you actually have. How much risk are you taking? If the markets do go down and they go down for longer, because let's keep in mind, 2020 was a blip, okay? A very abnormal blip. Markets never go back up that quickly after they go down that much. Never. That is a a total anomaly. Mm -hmm. So next time the markets go down, which they will, Mm -hmm. they're not going to recover in six months. (laughs) It's not going to happen like that. So, you know, will you have the fortitude? Do you have the diversification? Do you have a financial plan? And that's a, that's a really important piece as well. I keep thinking, and I think, you know, we were chatting before we started the, the interview that, that this, this pandemic was almost like a separation of what the world was and the, to, to a kind of a world that will be Uh, a lot of companies that I know that struggled to embrace digitization or new things like machine learning, really all the blocks that they had internally disappeared or evaporated during this last year. And they, they started to really kind of move forward in a lot of that stuff. And cause they were so, forced to. <laughs> yeah. Cause they had to, right. Cause they had to. And, right. and I think it's a really interesting one to think about uh, with the investment because uh, I think we're all scratching our heads of, well, what, what do I need to get in on, you know, before, so that I, I can, I can be a participant in the, the next decade of, of growth where there's growth. Well, there's a lot of uh, FOMO. I've actually, this is like the most extreme level of FOMO that I've seen. And I think cryptocurrency, the reason why everybody keeps talking about it is because that was probably the biggest um, kind of progression so rapidly of, of something. And again, time will tell whether it can sustain that and go higher or not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that in itself is also dangerous. Like that is a warning sign to me because the Fed has has pumped so much liquidity into the market. They've kept rates very, very low for an extended period of time. And so that creates asset bubbles. We mm-hmm. all know it. We just don't know exactly you know, where they are or when they're going to implode. And so again, that's why it's just un- important to understand Hey, you know what? I'm going to, I might miss out on this one thing, but my portfolio is not going to go down by 50% and I can sleep at night, (laughs) you know, and I don't need that. That's another important part. And that's why financial planning is such a big part of what we do because we help people understand what they need. So you want to retire at X age? This is what you need by that age. And this is what you need to do. I'll tell you a FOMO I had. I had uh, I had one friend who I think probably everyone has the one, this one friend. The one friend that got into like Bitcoin way before everyone else did. Right. And, and now he's they, a multimillionaire. And now they've made a ton of money. <laughs> and I was speaking to him at, because I was fascinated that um, I guess in one of the areas with Bitcoin that they're talking about. Uh, how you can borrow borrow money off of uh, off of the value of of the coin. So it's like it, with a certain like a very low interest or something like that. Okay. And, and it was, like and, margin. And it was, yeah, and it was it's just a f- fascinating idea. And um, uh, and and he was. I asked him about it. He goes, "Oh well, that's interesting, but like 
you know, you just need to buy more coins. And I was like, ah, no, <laughs> it's too, too stressful. I don't understand this. Stuff. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I think that there's going to be so many different challenges over the next uh, couple of years. And certainly anybody who uh, is thinking about their financial future uh, really would benefit for a uh, conversation with, with you, Leah. So thank you so much for joining us today on Uncaged. Uh, we've been talking to Leah Jones. She's the Director of Financial Planning at High Tower Bethesda. Uh, she's an expert on alternative investments. Uh, she's also a divorce planning specialist. And uh, certainly, as, as far as I can see, someone that if, if, you're, if you're not talking to a financial advisor, probably, probably talk to Leah. She seems to know, 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 definitely knows more than I do. Um, so Leah, if someone wants to get in touch with you, uh, where, where would they find you? Yeah, a couple of different uh, resources. Our website is hightowerbethesda.com. There's a couple contact me uh, buttons on there. I have a, a page dedicated to divorce uh, financial planning. If that's something you're interested in, you can contact me that way. Um, and, you know, you can always reach out to me at Leah, L-E-A-H dot Jones, J-O-N-E-S at hightoweradvisors with an S.com. Great. Well, listen, Leah, thank you again for being on Uncaged. Uncaged is a program that provides a voice to executives from around the globe who are shaping the world that we live in today and mapping the path to the commerce of tomorrow. We've been speaking to Leah Jones of Hightower Bethesda. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, man. Cheers. Cheers.